What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Wednesday evening after the Los Angeles Clippers won a back-to-back on Monday and Tuesday. This is Brandon Marcus, your host, alongside my co-host, Matt Mattawarn, back with me on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? Because me, we're in the middle of a five-game winning streak, and guess what? That is the longest active winning streak in the NBA as of right now, Wednesday night at 7.40 p.m. PST. It is indeed, and the Clippers have gone streaking, as Will Farrell likes to say, and they have done it against some pretty good teams, which is fantastic to see a back-to-back win over Portland and Sacramento. And if you listen to the podcast on Sunday, you heard us talk about how important this four-game homestand is and how the Clippers should go at least 3-1 and one on this four-game homestand. And we'll see a lot about this team. And frankly, we have so far. Um, against Portland, it was a game in which they made basically every single shot. And by they, I mean both teams. And then Sacramento was an old classic ass-whipping. Um, that's not the phrase, but that's okay. And it's late at night, so that's what we're going to go with. But before we go to the games, let's talk about your experience on Monday because that was a game you were in person for that was a back-and-forth affair where three-pointers were being made like it was a layup at the crypto arena. Let's hear about the experience. How was it? I mean, I was in the house, and I got to tell you, the the crowd was electric. It was such a great Clippers crowd. I was there with three friends, two diehard Clips fans like like us and most of the people listening. One a Lakers guy, and he was making it known that he was a Lakers guy. And when and when I told him, I said, "Man, this crowd is great. It's electric." He was like, "This is a great crowd." I was like, "Okay, dude, we get it. Did you come here to to hang the IST banner or just watch the game, please?" <laughs> the crowd was awesome, though. It was like I said, it was electric. There was so much energy going on. And man, it was crazy. It was it was back and forth, like you wouldn't believe. Um, just look at the first and second quarters, right? Clippers Clippers come out on fire. They put up forty three points in that first quarter to Portland's thirty two, which still thirty two. You you can live with that. And then only twenty three for the Clippers in the second quarter, and Portland puts up thirty three. So sort of matching their their first quarter, and they they sort of did that throughout the game. If you if you look, but. There was excitement. There was tension. I mean, a lot of tension. It was like, are we really going to lose to these guys? Like, uh, people were looking around like, what is going on? These are the Portland Trailblazers. You know, be, as 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 great as Simons played and as great as Sharp played and uh, Reith, who was, I think they just got him for the holidays because of his name, but he actually paid, played really <laughs> well. The experience, I'm sorry about these dogs barking outside, um, but it was a great, 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 great experience uh, being there live. And to see uh, what Kawhi Leonard was continuing and still continues to do in person is something else. I mean, I've seen Kawhi in person a few times now, and this was just vintage, vintage, vintage Kawhi. And I was I was sort of clocking a lot of... Um, on, on a negative point, I was clocking, and I think I tweeted about this, a lot of iso ball at, a, at certain points, and that's when it's, things kind of seemed to fall apart because Clippers got really, really, um, I don't know, uh, obsessed or invested or whatever the case may be. But there, there's a lot of iso ball happening, and then that's when Portland was able to sort of make their run. So that was that was something that stood out to me, just watching it in person. It, it just kind of stood out. But overall, fantastic game, of course, because the Clippers won. And 
you sort of just got reminded, or at least I did, of Kawhi's greatness, of Zoo's importance to the team, of what Paul George can do, even if he was inefficient. Um, eight assists, eight rebounds, a steal, a block. I mean, you know, he was all over the place. Norm checked in for some important minutes. Tice didn't do all that much, but still looks bigger than the 6'8 he is, especially in person. It was just he was out there kind of not enforcing his will, but it was a very positive experience, even if there were a lot of moments that were filled with fear and a lot of uh uh-ohs. It's funny because you would have expected the two games to be switched, where the Clippers would play a tight game against Sacramento that saw Sacramento do really well from three-point range and a blowout against Portland. It's it's odd that if you would have shown me those two scores on Wednesday, which is today, after the two games were played, I would have definitely put this game as the Sacramento game. I mean, 19 threes being made by Portland on 40 attempts is crazy, 48%. And then you look at the Clippers shooting 55%. I mean, the over flew over 259 combined points. I mean, that is absurd. But like you said, you got a chance to see this offense and how good it is when everybody is clicking. And now that this team has had more time to work together and get more time on the floor, we're seeing why they're so good. And the pieces seem to really be coming together. We've talked about the starting lineup a bunch and how well they play together. But then you see what the contributions come from Norm Powell and Russell Westbrook. And you can talk about the game yesterday as well with the energy Russ brought off the bench. I mean, he was electric with the rebounding he was giving and then the block shots and the steals. And he was just all over the place. And the alley-oop, he was in the put-back dunk. I mean, that's what you look for in a bench unit. And then the starters, we talked about the minutes. And it's funny that we talk about the minutes We've talked about it several times in the last couple of podcasts, but we said keep a close eye this week, especially in the back-to-back. And Kawhi played 38, Harden played 37, PG played 41, and Ty was asked about the minutes afterwards, and he said we have to do it because we need to win a game. And while that was something that you don't want to hear, at the same time it's true because this team is just so thin right now without – without Plumlee and without Brandon Boston Jr., without someone else they can rely upon. I mean, they're really only going four deep on the bench and they didn't even go four deep really in that game against Portland since Kobe only played five minutes. So it's tough. And then you saw why you don't want to play guys as many minutes as they've been playing because PG's played 37 or more minutes, I think, in seven or eight straight games before yesterday. Um, It was six straight games, I think. And then you see he left the game with a sore groin and Ty said afterwards that he could have played if the game was close and if they wouldn't have ruled him out. And I'm not sure if that's true because he is now in the injury report for tomorrow's game as questionable. Um, And that's the issue with playing these guys a and back to backs, which frankly, I think you need to do, but B is the heavy minutes. And with the amount of minutes PG has had to play, 41 against Portland, 37 and a half against Utah, 38 against Denver, 38 against Golden State, just over 37 against Golden State, um, almost 40 against Sacramento, and then Denver nearly 37, nearly 36 and a half against Dallas, 38 and a half against New Orleans. I mean, it's crazy the amount of minutes these guys have played, and it finally caught up to them with PG getting that sore groin, but all things considered with how healthy these guys have been all year for it to happen this late, frankly is, I mean, you'll take it. Um, But yeah, I mean, back to that game against Portland, 
it, it really felt like a survival type of game. Like, just survive. Get the win and get out of here with the W, with how well the Blazers were shooting. I mean, Scoot Henderson was shooting 50%, which is nowhere close to where he's been shooting all year. And he was 8 of 16 from the field. Simon's, like you said, red hot. He had five threes. Sharp was 8 of 17. And so it was really just to get out of here with a win, and they did. So um, with the Portland game, I, I think it's more of just get the win. I know it's not exactly how you want to get it, but take it and run away. That's really how I felt with that one. And that's such a good way to, to put it is to just take the win and run because, you know, at a certain point, and, and the Clippers obviously did that with the minutes that, that the starters and, and Norm were playing, at a certain point, just forget who the opponent is. You And Tyler said, you have, to, you have to get these wins. And we've been saying it forever and ever and ever. These games that you have to win, you, in fact, have to win. So when it was close, when it was tight, you know, forget that it's the Trailblazers. You know, forget. Forget the names on the back of the jerseys. Forget that it's Wreath. Forget that it's Kamara, who, by the way, Kamara, he, you know, his stats were so-so, but he looks like a player. But forget who the opponent is. You have to win these games. And one thing that that if you look at both of the games in the back-to-back, and we, we talk about this a lot, is efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. I mean, the Clippers are essentially a 50-40-90 club in in the back-to-back, if you look at mm-hmm. field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage especially. I mean, Harden remembers how to shoot free throws now. And so that efficiency, I don't think they're going to finish as a 50-40-90. That'd be pretty ridiculous. But they got an in them, especially with Kawhi shooting and playing that the way he is, to have that sort of efficiency. But back to the Portland game, like you said, it was win or just win and get out of there with the win. And I think that's why everybody the energy was so up because kind of collectively everybody in clipper nation realized like look it, it doesn't matter that if this, this could be the blazers this could be the nuggets from a few days ago this could be milwaukee it could be anybody we just got to get this win exactly and they did and then it really felt like yesterday would be a game that they would lose it's a back-to-back you had to play a really close game against a mediocre portland team here comes sacramento a team that you played an epic game with last year, and that has Deer and Fox. It, they've got some great shooting. They've shot really well this season. And then Sacramento goes 10 of 37 from three. That's 27%. They shoot only 42%. You alluded to it. They shot, the Clippers did, over 52%, almost 38% from three, and 95% from the line. And the Clippers just absolutely dominated Sacramento from the start. And I tweeted it early on after the first quarter. And I said, this is the type of game that you would see the Clippers lose. So just keep that foot on the gas and don't let go. And to the Clippers' credit, they didn't let go until the fourth quarter when the bench unit was in, when it's guys like Xavier Moon on the floor. That's when Sacramento cut it from like 30 to 20. And give credit to the Clippers because yesterday really showed me that this team is capable of being that team that we expected, that can win games against good teams, can win games on a back-to-back, can have your stars play on a back-to-back, can have your stars produce on a back-to-back. And I thought yesterday was one of their best wins of the season because A, it was a back-to-back, B, it was against a good Sacramento team, and C, you saw the stars play well. And I was really impressed with yesterday's win. Um, and I, I just got to say that it, this is starting to give me a lot of optimism, man. And I'm loving the way I'm feeling. I'm loving it. 
I'm loving it too. And I think one one thing that yesterday's game showed, and I, I do think that this is a game that the Clippers would typically lose in the past, especially with Paul George going out. But with Paul George going out, this kind of goes to show you the value of a James Harden coming in because let's say Paul George went out a season ago. Then the ball handling duties, which he was hev- heavily on him, then would go to Norm or, you know, Westbrook was still there. But the th- now that you have a Harden to still run the offense and you have a Westbrook to come in behind him, Norm can kind of do what he does anyway. You see, he, he had 15 points. He was a plus 26, but only two assists because and, and only one turnover. He didn't have to have that many ball handling duties because you have somebody like a Harden and you can give it to man, but you can have Russ come in there as well. So with Paul George going out, and we hope, obviously, that Tyloo, you know, wasn't BSing us and that it's just sort of a minor tweak. And if he misses the next game, so be it. Maybe not the worst thing in the world. It's the worst thing in the world for my fantasy team, but maybe not the worst thing in the world for the Clippers. But to have a, a Harden, just to have a steadying hand to run the show, even if Paul George goes down, because a lot of that fell on Paul George in previous years, goes to show why it's so important to have that Harden in there with a Westbrook, you know, bones for nine minutes, but that was garbage time. But so that norm doesn't have to then be like a primary ball handler. It, it just goes to show how that, how important that is to the team. Yeah, no doubt. And some numbers that have stood out, um, the new starting lineup, and this is according to our bud, Adam Osland, who puts this stuff together, usually after every single game, um, after 13 games, there are plus 67, the starting lineup, and 208 minutes on the court, and the team is 10-3 over the time that in this three, 13 games, the offensive rating of Harden, PG, Kawhi, Zoo, and Mann is 120.8. The defensive rating is 105.9. It's a net rating of 14.9. Then you look at the one, um, Harden, PG, Kawhi, Zoo, and Mann, in terms of how so, how what in, more in-depth in numbers, in 208 minutes, they have 500 points, and they're shooting 52%, 41% from three. And so this team has really looked good, and it's impressive, and you love it. And I was hoping this would be the case, that they would figure it out, and that's why we were so gung-ho on why this deal could possibly be a very good thing for the Clippers. We said that availability could be an issue, and we might see that in the game tomorrow where it might help to have Harden as that second guy if PG is out alongside a Kawhi Leonard. And we talked about how with those those two guys, you're probably not winning a title. Both with James Harden, it certainly raises your ceiling, and we're really seeing that because right now, according to Justin Russo, there are presently four teams in the top 10 in both half-court offense and half-court defense, and the Clippers are one of those, which is very impressive. And the other three teams that are there, the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Thunder. And the Celtics are 7-7, seven and seven. Nuggets are 6 offensively, 8 defensively, Thunder are 3 offensively, 3 defensively, the Clippers are 8 offensively, 2 defensively which give credit to Zoo there and Team Man and what they've done defensively along with the other guys you'd expect it to be. So the offense is looking good right now, and the defense is good too, Matt. Team Man has been just a menace on defense, just just everywhere. He's looked so good in that starting unit, and I'm so glad that finally happened. And it seems pejorative now that we – I remember when, when the Harden trade was even rumored – we were sort of saying, well, at the very least, Harden is a good innings eater, right? Like for when uh, eventually Paul, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard missed time. Because let's be let's be honest, 
82 games is pretty ridiculous to to assume for either one of them. And we called Harden an innings eater, and I, I maybe that maybe that sounds like a bad thing, but really what we meant is what you just said. Now it's a great thing that if if Paul George is to miss tomorrow and maybe even a game or two more, to have Harden as the second guy next to Kawhi, well, okay, you're in a little bit better shape, and in fact, a lot better shape than you would have been prior to that trade. No doubt, and you have another guy, and whereas previously it may have been Kawhi that would have a shoulder to load, and if that happens, you know it could be completely dangerous if he has to play major minutes, so... It's what you want to see. I mean, yesterday was one of the best games. I talked about a couple of different things. And also what really stood out, Terrence Mann hit a couple of open threes. He had 10 points, which is great to see. Um, Norm Powell, obviously, was great. I mentioned Westbrook and the energy that he provided. He had 8.7 rebounds and three assists, which is great. Daniel Tice hit some shots. Kobe Brown hit a three-pointer, which he's definitely struggled from downtown. Um Prior to that game yesterday, he had won against Denver on December 6th, and he hadn't hit one prior until uh, before until November 29th. So it had been a while for him where he'd really been a, a slump from downtown. So you look at it, and Team Man's contributing, Kobe Brown, Russell Westbrook, Norm, along with Kawhi, who's been fantastic, obviously. I mean, he is. You look at the last 11 quarters, according to Justin Russo, fly-by-night on Twitter, 106 points for Kawhi in the last 11 quarters, 15 rebounds, 13 assists, 64% from the field, 58% from three, 11 of 19, and 23 of 23 from the free, free, throw, free throw line. He has been absolutely spectacular. So it's it's really been inc- incredible. And uh, um, the Clippers have looked like they've been clicking on all cylinders. And I want to get your point of view on this, but first let's take a break. All right, so tell me, what are your thoughts on what Kawhi has brought to the table along with guys like Harden and Norm and PG? I mean, it really seems like everybody is looking good right now. Everybody's kind of finding their their role, but more their comfortability with each other. So, of course, the, the, the Terminator has been activated. Kawhi has been, like you said, you dropped those numbers. He's been so unbelievable, so efficient. He is, he is the Ka- Kawhi we saw that we thought was going to take down Phoenix in the first round pretty much all by himself because he's back to that level. And that when you have a guy like that, who's a top five, top, top eight player in the league, you got a chance against anybody, any night in any series. I don't care what you say. And you add to it, Paul George, who I know obviously hurt his groin in that last game, but he's had a few off nights, but as a whole, he was really carrying this team to beginning this to begin the season and has just on most nights, not all, but on most nights been at a, at a top tier, like, like a one B, if not one a level, like it was going back and forth for a little while. Kawhi, I'm pretty, I think I was taking that mantle back, but to see Paul George be that aggressive guy that he said he wanted to be on, on, on most nights, not all, but on most nights, has been great to see because you love when Paul George, and especially when he starts feeling it and he starts getting to the line, and then especially when he just hits those dagger threes or he's slithering down the lane. I mean, it is, it is a sight to see. Very enthused by Paul George. And I do think that the two of them, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, are really picking it up on the defensive end where, I mean, the steals, like we talked about how they're, they're touted to be this dynamic duo on defense and i think they're proving that yes they still can be that zoo we talk about it 
season after season. Well, I guess two, because we've only done this for two seasons, at least I have. So season after season, uh, Zoo is one of the most important players uh, to the Clippers because he is just this defensive anchor down low. And yes, he does have his nights offensively, but I mean, it, it, it can't be understated what he does on the defensive end. Harden is now rounding rounding into shape, and I know that sounds funny because a lot of his, his shape a lot of times is round. <laughs> but he's hit he's hitting his free throws. You know uh, the the assists are are steadily climbing. I mean, you know, uh, he had seven back to back nights of seven assists, but that's just because he's in the flow of the offense now, right? And he'll do some catch and shoot moves as well. Yeah, I know I know he went over three. Or sorry, 0 for 4 from the three-point line against Sacramento, but he is hitting some clutch threes. He was 50% against the Blazers. And then the fifth man, the fifth player, the man of the starting lineup, T-Man, I just think that was a season-changing, game-changing move uh, to finally get T-Man in there because despite his, what could be, what could be perceived as hesitation on offense, I, I think is just he he can pick his spots on offense, but he can really, really, really focus in on the defensive end. Like when he's just up on Jordan Clarkson and he's he's trying his best against guys. And when guys are as hot as Simons or Sharp are, there's not much you can do about it. But T-Man is flying all over the place. And then, you know, Westbrook, the minutes, the minutes have, have lowered quite a bit, but he's still giving all effort. I mean, he was the number one guy. Yeah, the, the number one guy on the bench whooping it up, cheering everybody on. You know, his vibe, at least to me when I watched, had not changed whatsoever. And then Norm is invaluable because, I like like you said, with Paul George, if he goes down or if somebody else does, Norm is that spark plug off the bench. Um, I am, and, and Tice has been just a great addition as well. That, that was a lot. I mentioned a lot of guys, but I am very happy with what everybody's doing, and it's just there is some cohesion, and it's looking like everybody's sort of gelling and learning how to play with each other, especially with Zoo and Harden on these pick and rolls as well. Very, very happy with what I'm seeing. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Westbrook um, because there was a play um, last night where it, a couple guys involved that we've discussed, obviously. Um, Kobe Brown hit a three, and he's been struggling from deep, like we mentioned. And immediately Westbrook got off his uh, his seat and he took his towel. He was waving it and he slapped Kobe Brown in the butt as he went back to the defensive end. Like he just got up as quickly as possible to cheer on his teammate. And that showed me a couple of things. Number one, Kobe Brown's going to have to hit those threes because he's getting a lot of open looks. Because w- with what this defense, what these defenses are going to do is they're going to go to Kawhi, they're going to go to PG, they're going to go to Harden. The defense is going to collapse onto guys like Harden when they drive, onto Kawhi, and they're going to try and go out to PG. And so Kobe's going to have those threes to take when he's on the floor with those guys. And so he needs to, and so he needs to hit it, and he did. And then for Russell Westbrook, yes, the minutes have been down. You mentioned that. But it really seems like he's still engaged, and he really wants to be on this team. And that's really important because you could see a guy like him that – could have his minutes reduced and be very unhappy about it. And it could kill your locker room. I mean, that's one thing that Ty Lue has had to do is we've mentioned, and we've been pretty hard at times on Ty about not switching rotations, um, not bring like taking uh, minutes away from some guys and giving minutes to other guys like team man, taking them away from Russell Westbrook. 
But there's a delicate balance you have to do as a head coach. I mean, you got to give guys minutes because you got to keep that locker room happy. I mean, we're already seeing right now with PJ Tucker that he's coming out in the media several different to several different outlets complaining about his playing time. And luckily, it's not affecting the locker room. But that's what you got to do. You got to be careful with guys like Russell Westbrook, and that's what um, Ty Lue is doing. He needed to give Westbrook a certain amount of minutes, and now he's realized Ty has that. Westbrook probably shouldn't play as many, and Westbrook is buying into it, and he slowly did it so that Westbrook could buy in, and just great job by Ty doing that. And now the Clippers seem to be in a really good place where Westbrook is understanding of where his minutes are, and he has been a team player, and that is pivotal to the Clippers' success because he needs to be a great player off the bench because the Clippers need that juice, and he needs to have that by being a happy individual, and you can only do that by buying in, and he has. So really happy with that. Obviously with the bench, with Kobe, I mentioned, Norm has been fantastic. So right now with where the bench is, I know we said they need to contribute, but it seems like some of those pieces are fitting pretty well along with the starters, which is what you want to see. They are. And yeah, it, just like what you said, Russ was just cheering everybody on like it, like it was going out of style. He was the first guy up after every shot. If if something happened, you know, with the other team, he's 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 yelling. He's up there. He's up there with Ty Lu. It's funny you mentioned PJ Tucker because obviously last night against the Kings, we saw the bench empty out. But you look and if you look at the box score, there's only one DNP CD, and that is uh, Pajamas himself. I I'm just curious, like how long this lasts? Is he is he a is he just a buyout guy? Is it just thank thank you? Page, but we don't have a role for you, or is it a a trade deal? I'm just, I, I, I and I know we 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 can't say for sure. We can only speculate. But I'm I'm very curious as to what happens with him. And you know, it's not a huge contract, but you wonder if some other team would would want to involve him in a trade with December fifteenth coming up on Friday when some other people become available, or is it just a like I said, a shake his hand, say thank you, and hope you find a, a better situation for yourself. I'm just. I'm very curious. I I don't think he finishes the year on this team. I've said that a couple of times. I'm sticking to that, but I just wonder what's going to happen. I don't think he will either. I I don't have, you don't have this much smoke without fire. And it feels like he's just not going to be a piece of the Clippers are going to use. They've realized that he doesn't make a lot of sense. And for him to get a DMP last night um, is really telling. I mean, that he could have easily played last night and, for him not to shows you a lot of where he stands right now with the Clippers. And that means he is not in rotation at all. And he really is not being involved in the team. He could have easily played last night instead of a guy like, I don't know, Amir coffee, Daniel Tice, Kobe Brown down the stretch. I mean, Kobe got 24 minutes, but he didn't. So that tells me that I think he's going to find a trade partner elsewhere. It really seems like the Clippers are going to try and get, listen, if the triple Clippers can get a second round pick for him. I'll take it at this point. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens. It seems like some veteran teams um, or rather some other uh, contenders are looking for a veteran like PJ Tucker and they're monitoring the situation. So I'd be happy to give up a guy like PJ Tucker. Who knows what you can get in return. Maybe you can get a valuable piece. Maybe not. But either way, I don't think he's going to be a member of the Clippers. So I'm glad you brought him up because we really haven't discussed him at all. And it, it certainly tells you a lot of where he stands right now at the Clippers. So we'll see. But either way, I mean, with what we're seeing with this starting unit, and it really seems like Harden has been 
starting to figure out where he fits in. I mean, he was looking really bad initially because he didn't know whether he should be a facilitator. He should look for a shot. He was being really shy about being his offensive self. He was just passing the ball all the time, passing up open threes. Hasn't been the case anymore. He's been aggressive offensively when he needs to be getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line, which is exactly what you want to see. Kawhi has just been on another world. And what you love to see is when he gets to this level, he's really efficient as well. And he's not just taking shots to take shots. Like he's taking high percentage shots and then PG's just a sniper from deep. And then you add that in with Zoo's incredible defense and him fitting in with that starting unit and what man provides. And this team's looking really good. And now you wonder, can they continue to carry it forward? Because I said, initially you want to get three and one in these two games coming up um, or at least four games total. And then two more obviously coming up now with what you're facing tomorrow night in a Warriors team that's without Draymond Green, with a Clay Thompson who just seems to have his confidence completely shattered. It's basically Steph Curry and friends. And so tomorrow should be a game that you should win. And so then you face Saturday against a Knicks team that is without Mitchell Robinson, is starting Jericho Sims, um, has a guy like RJ Barrett who is shooting like 20% in certain games. He's three for 16 tonight so far. Um, Brunson's 5 of 15. It's really Brunson and Randall that you have to worry about on that team. And then DiVincenzo's had his moments against the Clippers. And then, of course, you've got Hartenstein, who uh, I'm sure will have his game of the year against the Clippers. But nonetheless, it's like not a lot of guys that you're fearful of. And I said that with Portland, too, because I said no Grant, and we'll see about Aiton and Brogdon. Aiton and Brogdon didn't play. And it seems like the Clippers do worse when a team doesn't have their best players. So we'll see what happens against the Knicks. But... These are two games that you would look at the schedule and you say the Clippers should win. You should win against the Warriors at home, and you should beat the Knicks at home. Both those games are at late start times, so there's no excuse about the 1 p.m. start or something. So two games that I expect to win. I'm sure you think the same. I, I would certainly hope so, I, I, and I wouldn't discount uh, Brandon Pajemski putting yeah. up some numbers tomorrow. I'm a yeah. little – he's just feisty, a little nervous what he's going to do. Um, get out of Santa Clara. He's he's pretty good. but. Um, I do think like a Draymond-less Warriors and and then especially a Mitchell Robinson-less Knicks, Clippers should be able to take care of. You know, these games are at home, and this is this is before Clippers embark on a road trip. the The worst thing they can do is go in there with that mindset. Like these are games we should win, um, or these are games we we will win. They need to go in very serious from the first quarter through the fourth, like we always talk about, take these games very seriously. And I'm sure they will. I'm sure Ty Lue will have them have them ready for these two games because then you embark on a road trip that, you know, is going to be against some pretty feisty teams. You want to talk about Pajemski. There's some guys on the Pacers, the Mavericks, and OKC that will say, uh, Brandon hold my beer. And I'm talking about Pajemski, not you. Hmm. But if, if you'd like to sit down and have a beer sometime, I'd be down for that too. But what I will say... Um, about these about these upcoming games is I don't think Paul George plays tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think so. So either. so that that puts the Clippers at a bit of a I don't want to say a disadvantage, but you take out Draymond, but you also take out Paul George. It's going to be a little bit more difficult than maybe one would think. And it's never easy to stop Steph Curry, who, despite Clay's struggles, despite Wiggins' struggles, um, Looney, whoever the case may be, Steph is on one, so there's nothing to say he can't go for a 50 spot and just sort of not embarrass the Clippers, but just be like, yeah, see, this is why I'm a multiple time MVP. 
So it's just going to be interesting to see uh, the defensive assignments, the defensive switches. Like I'm always looking for. I think. I think the sole focus needs to be on tomorrow, and then, obviously, and then the Knicks come afterwards. But I think tomorrow could be a little bit more difficult than we are imagining, just because if Draymond Green's out, yes, it means nobody's going to get punched in the face. We hope, <laughs> but still could be a pretty difficult task, especially with the way, with the way their guards move. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how the Clippers can. I think. I think T Man's going to be instrumental in this game. Two things I'm watching out for for that game tomorrow. The first one is how many minutes Russ and Harden play together because they have not been productive in their minutes together. However, yesterday they oh. were. So that's certainly something I'll be watching is because if PG is out, I'd expect to see Russ and Harden play a lot more minutes to, together than normal um, because you have that that empty slot of minutes and Russ is certainly going to take some of those from PG. And then the second thing is, who do the Clippers have guard Steph? Because if it's Harden, the Clippers probably going to get cooked. So do they put Clay, or rather, sorry, do they put Man on Steph, and then maybe Harden on Clay, who's been struggling from the field? That's what I'm really looking forward to seeing: is who defends Steph. Um, ideally, it should be Man, and I'm looking to see how the Clippers do in those minutes with Harden and Westbrook together, because I'm certainly expecting them to play a lot more tomorrow. I almost wonder if you can if you can put if you can hide Harden on Wiggins how poorly he's been playing if if indeed they start him but who knows yeah. maybe Moody will start yeah you never really know what what the Warriors starting lineup is going to be I do think man on Steph is the way they will start it though yeah that's a good point that's a really good point Wiggins has been terrible so we'll see we'll see listen Clay has had a couple has had a game or two against the Clippers already this year where he's performed pretty well so maybe he has a good game we'll see. Uh, but it should be a couple of good games. The game tomorrow, obviously, against the Warriors. Saturday against the Knicks. And we'll be back on Sunday. And we'll recap those two games and look ahead to another four-game tr- uh, week, including three of four on the road. And that one home game will be against the Celtics on Saturday. So, until next time, I am Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus on Twitter. He is Matt Mattawarren at Matt Mattawarren on Twitter. And, of course... You can give us a five-star rating, review the podcast as well. Always does help. Share this podcast. Tell your friends. Like it. Retweet it. Exit. Love it. Do whatever the hell you want to do with it. Tell your mother. Tell your grandmother. Tell your brother. Tell your sister. Whatever you want to do. Spread the love of this Ethos Clippers podcast. So, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Brandon. And go Clips. Go Clips. Go Clips.